Hey everyone, thanks for joining me this week. Sorry for the delay in posting a new episode. It's actually been a tough two weeks for me personally. I suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. As I am reading more books, it's more so referred to as complex trauma or developmental trauma disorder. In future episodes, I will talk about my childhood trauma, specifically my abuse and bullying experiences. But until then, thank you for your patience and understanding. I hope you enjoy this week's episode. I continue my conversation with you around the knowledge in oral health and specifically talk about cavity formation, diet, and nutrition. I kind of want to go over cavity formation. This is kind of hard to explain to kids, but you can. There are different ways you can explain it, and everybody has their way. Some offices don't like to use certain terminology because it scares children, but I'm sorry to say I am not one of those doctors. I will use certain words, and they have to just understand their euphemisms, and I try to explain them over time. What you know, bacteria is, and we used to call them bugs, but they're actually something called bacteria. And now it's kind of easy to explain what bacteria are to children now that COVID kind of exists. They kind of understand they have to wash hands, and there's these small little things on their hands they can't see, and they have to wash it off so that they don't get sick. So I kind of put things into that context now, and I will talk to parents and about bacteria, and parents even don't know how cavities are formed because no one ever taught them. And so I try to educate you know, families as a pediatric dentist as a part of my job description. They come to school pretty much to learn about their teeth with me. And that's important to me. That's a part of the process. I kind of go over that you have bacteria on your teeth and every day you're supposed to brush and floss the bacteria off. And if you don't do a good job and they stay on your teeth, then they get big and strong and they make holes in your teeth called cavities. And I explain, okay, well, how do you think these bacteria get big and strong? And then I explain that junk food and things that aren't good for your teeth get these bacteria to be big and strong, and then they make holes in your teeth. I'll change the terminology based on the age groups of bacteria is more for, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10 year olds. Maybe I can explain bacteria and germs a little bit more. Germs is what I like to use or bugs. Some kids get scared from bugs. So they, you know, if you have an idea that that might scare your child, let us know, but it's, it's hard to not explain it correctly to them because we want to use different terms. So to scientifically understand that as a parent, you have to understand that these bacteria that are on your teeth, they have this ability to grow into plaque and plaque is formed when they have a lot of nutrients. The nutrients comes from our food. So the nutrients in the food that they very much love are things like sugar and there, there's some other things that they'll use, but sugar is the main thing. And it is exactly what I said to your child, you know, with the other terminology for a child is that they, these bacteria will utilize that sugar and they will produce an acid. And that acid is what eats away at the teeth. It leaches minerals from the teeth. When the bacteria have access to lots of sugar, foods that are very sugar dense, they will have a party in your mouth and just, you know, use that to grow and grow and grow. And it, the byproduct of that is a lot of acid. So the other aspect of that is I want you to understand that we can get acid from our foods and we will go through that as well. But the acid is what ultimately is what causes cavities. 
So I'm going to backtrack and bring up an old concept that we already went over with toothpaste, but fluoride. So fluoride, remember, we use that to mineralize our teeth and that it makes a strong bond with the surface of our teeth. Well, acid, whenever we have acid attack in our mouth from the foods that we eat or drinks or the environment, that acid tries to break that bond. But when they, there's fluoride available, that leaching of the minerals is less likely to happen. Fluoride also stays within the circulation of your saliva. And that's why you want to make sure you also brush every day as well with fluoride toothpaste. The last and kind of one of the most important things that we have a lot of misunderstanding and misconceptions about is nutrition. Nutrition is kind of this weird concept in America. We are just so confused about what's good for us, what's not good for us. It's because the research is so confusing and we have all these documentaries now. And I'm going to try to explain to you what I know based on what I've researched and what um, my experience and what I've learned as a dentist. One of the things I try to do in my office as a pediatric dentist is to make sure I have a conversation with the parents and the kids. As they get older, they have to have responsibility of their own decisions. And I'm going to try to help do that. They have to understand their parents are busy people and they have to be, if they want to be independent, then they have to understand their independent responsibilities. I have to talk to them about what are some good choices or good habits they can do to make it easier for them so that they don't get cavities. The conversations I end up having are first, obviously, we talked about foods with sugar. We all know there's, you know, that we don't need to eat things like candy and sweets. That's like a given. The one thing I want to explain to you guys is though that there's sugar dense food right? There's food that just has a lot of sugar in such a small quantity. And within that small quantity, there's also no nutrition within it. It ends up being a food that's not useful for us. And we're eating just for pure enjoyment. And I understand enjoyment is great for a child's life, but that's what it's for is that moment that you truly want to enjoy the moment. It can't be all the time because then it loses its you know, luster. So candies and sweets and all those good stuff need to be limited to special occasions. You know, you can have sugar rich food to some degree, but there has to be some nutrition that you're eating with it. So it has to have some vitamins and minerals and other nutrition, important substance. It can't be just sugar all the time. Then let's move to the other things, things like chips, crackers, and cookies. I mean, cookies are even, you guys understand that those are sweets as well. We all understand candy, sweets, pastries, ice cream, popsicles, cookies. Those are sweets. We all know we're not supposed to eat those often. But the other thing is chips and crackers. There's a big misconception that, oh, those are all fine. They don't cause cavities. But that's not true. If you look at some of these chips and crackers, there's actually a lot that is not good Foods like chips and crackers can also be high in sugar. So you want to make sure you look at the labels um, and I'll talk about labels later. They can also be like a film that the grip bacteria can grow on or can find spots in when they're sticking to your teeth. Just be aware that 
chips and crackers are not the best either. Foods can have acid in it. And we talked about the importance of acid when it comes to the cavity making process. So orange juice, lemon, anything with lemon or lime, coffee, tea, pop, which is what we say in the Midwest, soda. Um, and then I want you guys to understand things like coffee, tea, and adult beverages for you parents. Um, those can all cause cavities. They just weaken your enamel because there's acid within that drink. One thing I want to talk about is bottled water. And I did a whole segment about bottled water and how bottled water can be acidic. If you want to test out the acidity of some of these drinks, I highly recommend doing a litmus test. And a litmus test will test the pH. And that means that there'll be a range on that pH scale. And it goes from zero to 14. And the middle is seven. So seven is neutral and closer to, you know, zero is that uh, acidic pH. Anything above seven that goes towards 14 is that basic pH. So um, sometimes if you do these litmus tests, you can see the different pHs of the different drinks out there. So you can get lit litmus test paper online, probably from Amazon. Uh, and I will try to post the segment I did about bottled water and to show that um, processed bottled water, you know, Ice Mountain, Dasani, all those have, you know, have a tendency to be acidic. Something I definitely want you guys to understand is that saliva helps protect your teeth by neutralizing the acid in your mouth. It does a great job of this, but it can only do this job up to 20 minutes. So if you're drinking any of those drinks or foods that are acidic for more than 20 minutes or anything that produces an acid for more than 20 minutes, so anything with sugar as well, after that 20 minute mark, your saliva can't really help you as much anymore. And your, so your mouth starts to remain in that acidic environment and goes more and more acidic until you stop and you allow your um, saliva to kind of buffer or kind of neutralize that acid or you brush your teeth or do something to make it easier. So the most important thing I say, sipping on anything for more than 20 minutes or, you know, snacking consistently like that is not really good because your saliva just can't help you at that, at that moment, um, that many times. Drinking out of a straw can help, but we want to make sure we want to minimize the amount of plastic use to try to use those other types of straws if you can. But if you don't have access to non-plastic straws, I would recommend just sticking to water and not really even drinking one of those drinks. Things with sugar and acid are actually some of the worst for your teeth. So things like orange juice, there's sugar and acid in those. So that's why we say orange juice is not that great. Lemonade is another one. There's a lot of candy out there that is like that. Um, adult beverages, coffee, if you put sugar in it, you got to be very careful with these things that have both acid and sugar, which are both going to cause issues with your teeth. The next thing about food that I want to go over is texture. Textures of foods do affect your teeth. So things that are sticky like gummies, fruit snacks, Laffy Taffy, caramel, all those sticky things stick to your teeth. And when they are combined with sugar, the bacteria make it, you know, have it really easy and can get to those you know, all that sugar a lot easier and wreak havoc on your teeth. So gummies are just not the best. If you choose a gummy vitamin, it's okay. I'm okay with gummy vitamins. 
You just got to make sure that the gummy vitamins isn't giving excess of one type of nutrient. I know that they can have, if they eat too many gummy vitamins, it can be too much of one type of vitamin. But beyond that, when it comes to the sugar that's in the gummy, you can see that some of them aren't sugar-free. They actually have sugar in them. So you want to make sure you give that vitamin gummy towards a brushing time and then brush the teeth right after. So if you do decide to give gummies, fruit snacks, Laffy Taffy's caramel once in a while, try to brush afterwards and then you they can eat it. But if you wait, it's just going to sit there until you brush it off because they stick that well. The other thing is starchy food. So like I said, those chips and crackers also stick to the teeth. Um, You want to try to give things that are rough and fibrous. They're good because they scrub the teeth. They also are good for jaw development because that rough food needs to be chomped down on and it can help develop the jaw structures of your face because you're using them more to chomp down on that really hard food. Things that are fibrous are things that are healthy also for us. So the apples and, you know, lettuce and, you know, those rough veggies and fruits can really be great way to kind of scrub your teeth. What I do recommend because of the way our foods are is keeping an extra toothbrush in the kitchen. I say, put it in a cup underneath the sink. You don't need toothpaste. Give it you know, what I say is give it to your child after they eat a treat that's probably going to stick to their teeth or eat food that's going to stick to their teeth. Just tell them to brush it off. They don't have to, you know, use toothpaste and all of that. They just have to take a good scrub and get all that junk out of the teeth and have them spit it out and do it really quick yourself. Even if you get a little bit, I'll be happy. You know, that is better than nothing at all. So start somewhere and keeping that extra toothbrush in the kitchen. It's just, easy access. And then there's a sink right there. And if you don't care, then they can spit in there. But if not, send them to the bathroom on that that same area if you can. Most processed food is not good for us, honestly. There's a lot of hidden stuff in there. And I'm not talking about the chemicals. Sometimes it's the fact that it's added sugar. Added sugar is pretty much You know, if you have coffee, you're adding sugar to your coffee. So that goes for anything else that they process is when are we adding sugar to something? Things that are naturally sweet, that is not a part of the added sugar. Fresh fruit. There's no nutrition label because they're not adding anything on top of that. But if you look at certain other things, there is a lot of added sugar to it. And those added sugars come in all different types of ways. They can come from what we all know, refined white sugar, but it can be brown sugar, raw sugar, uh, malt sugar, coconut sugar, molasses, syrup, maple sugar, corn syrup, high fructose corn syrup, corn sweeteners, honey, fruit juice concentrates, anything that's with an O's at the end. So fructose, glucose, dextrose, lactose, maltose, sucrose. So, you know, those things are all parts of added sugar. The thing that you want to remember is children can have 26 grams per day of added sugar. So when you try to go through your pantry, that's what I want you guys to start looking at is added sugar. And so you'll usually see me flip cartons over and I literally go straight to total carbohydrate section and there should be an added sugar section. So your kids full day amount of sugar, added sugar consumption can only equal 26 grams. 
And I try to tell people that is the most, you don't have to, I would prefer you not to completely always give it and you can have days, but try to keep it consistent. If you can, you don't want to fluctuate too much because your, your child's body comes and gets into a rhythm at one point, And that's really important. So throwing them off that rhythm is when their body starts to react differently. Um, but I know there's some, you know, great, amazing celebrations where you might want to give extra sugar and that's totally okay. And that is your decision as a parent. I would love for you to brush after it, but that's even asking for a lot as well. But do what you can is what I say. With this knowledge, understand 26 grams of added sugar a day for children. There's different ones for women and men. And I think women are also at that 26 grams a day. And if you look, please look. So one Go-Gurt, you know, squeeze pack thing is eight grams of sugar. And if we look at orange juice versus like a fresh orange, a glass of orange juice on the, whatever it says on the label, I think it's eight ounces on the label is 25 grams of sugar. That one eight ounce glass. Okay. That's pretty much your whole days of how much added sugar you can have as a kid. So if you're giving that to your kid in the morning, full glass, not diluted, that's not good. Okay. That's why we talk about fresh oranges. A fresh orange has 15 grams of sugar. That is a lot, but I'll be honest, there are some kids that can eat a full orange and some kids that can't. I was one of those kids that I couldn't eat a full orange. So I'm never eating the full 15 grams of sugar in an orange, you know, when I was little. And if your child wants to, yes, but be aware then that, you know, only allows them to, and again, the research study that I've read that naturally occurring sugar is more beneficial to you and shouldn't be counted towards your total grams of sugar. So a lot of orange juice have added sugar to the extra sugar that comes from the orange juice. So I want you guys to be aware of that. So that added sugar, but fresh, the sugar that comes from a fresh orange and there's no added sugar that they're saying is okay. So I want you guys to be aware of that, but be also aware of the fact that it has acid and can affect the teeth, but you have to eat a lot of oranges and just, I mean, I don't know many kids that are doing that, but making sure you talk to your dentist about these things is very important. Now let's talk about bread. So I know a lot of families do peanut butter and jelly. So let's talk about peanut butter and jelly and whole wheat and white bread have the same amount of added sugar. It's four grams per slice. If you're doing two slices of bread, that's eight grams of added sugar that is in that peanut butter and jelly sandwich just from the two bread pieces. Okay. Now let's add peanut butter. There's in two tablespoons of peanut butter, which if you're putting light peanut butter, two tablespoons is enough. But if you're putting a lot you know, heavy peanut butter, you're probably using more than two tablespoons. But in that two tablespoons, only two is added, two grams are added sugar. Jelly has a lot more. There's a total of nine grams of added sugar. And I was looking at the Smucker's strawberry. So in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, that would be two slices of bread, two tablespoons of peanut butter, and one tablespoon of jelly. 
that total amount of added sugar comes up to 19 grams of added sugar. So for that one peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So I kind of want you to understand that some of these ideas for food for your child is not the best. Um, They're great American staples and great way to enjoy the day, but to give that every day to your child, I'm not happy about it. And it seems like more of a treat in my opinion. The other aspect is you also want to look at the nutrients that are in each of those things. So I would want you to pick things that are more whole grain and have very healthy nutrients and vitamins in it if possible. But I I think it's hard to find when it comes to peanut butter and jelly. Another popular item for kids to eat for breakfast is cereals. So the two that I saw were Lucky Charms and Honey Nut Cheerios. So for Lucky Charms, I saw that for three-fourths of a cup, which is a decent size, but I have a feeling that most families give more than that, like about a cup. But for three-fourths, which is what is on the label, there's 11 grams of added sugar, And for Honey Nut Cheerios, there's 12 grams of added sugar. That's for one cup for Honey Nut Cheerios. So around the same um, amount of added sugar and Honey Nut Cheerios, you can have a little bit more for this around the same amount. So again, you have to make sure you add in the other aspects of where your child is getting sugar. So that might work depending on what you're giving your child for lunch and dinner. But if you're giving just as much sugar each time, and if not more throughout the day, then you're probably giving too much added sugar. And I want you guys to be very careful. So really start to look at those labels. Another one that you guys mentioned was pancakes. Pancakes I love as well. Oh my God, I love them so much. Especially when you get to go to some of the great brunch spots in Chicago. Man, they're so good. Anyways, pancakes, if you get the Bisquick pancake mix where you just add water, it's about half a cup of mix. In that half a cup, there's eight grams of added sugar. So half a cup of mix to me is about the size of a pancake, like one pancake. And that's eight grams of added sugar. So depending on how many pancakes your child is eating, you have to keep adding more added sugar to that count. So, you know, it's not also the best, but you can also look at what you're giving for lunch and for dinner and make sure you're staying below that 26 grams of sugar. Again, added sugar, sorry. So I hope that kind of gives you a base understanding of nutrition. I hope to have another episode about nutrition. The other thing that I kind of should address is that there's a lot of barriers to eating healthy and in America, it's just not as easy. In other countries that I visited, going to a market with fresh produce is easily available everywhere. And it's fresh coming from farms. I've traveled to India. I've traveled to places in Africa, you know, in Europe and South America. They have a lot more access to really good produce and really good healthy food options. I think in America, that is one of the biggest disadvantages. I would really love for you guys to watch this one episode from a show on Netflix. The show is called Patriot Games. It's with a host named Hassan Minaj. You've probably heard of him in the past. And he has one episode and it's about 
how America has caused obesity in Mexico because of companies expanded their brand into Mexico. And you can see when that happened, it was based on a trade deal called NAFTA. And you can see that in that moment when they allowed American companies to start to go into Mexico and introduce their products, a lot of Mexican citizens started to having issues with obesity. So I will post about that in my blog post and you guys can refer to it. I'll post this as much information I can about the episode so you guys can find a way to watch it. But it is an access issue. There are food deserts for some children where there's, you know, not really a grocery store with fresh produce available to them. They're usually buying their food from a convenience store for from a pharmacy. So that is a really big issue in the South side of Chicago and they're called food deserts. This is really bad for growth and development of children. They also end up having a lot of cavities because they don't really have access to, you know, good food options. Another issue is if that community also has access to poor drinking water, then they're more likely to drink other things that are not milk and water. So with the food deserts, we also have to understand that good food requires refrigeration, fresh food, fresh fruits and veggies, fresh meat, all that stuff requires refrigeration. And it ends up being perishable it rots a lot faster than other things. So if you're feeding a family of four and you need the money, the food to stretch out for long periods of time, you know, you don't really want to buy things that are fresh. You want to buy things that kind of last and can sit in the cabinet for a long period of time so that they don't go bad. Maybe you don't also have time to go to the grocery store often. So you need something that's going to last you the whole time that, you know, until the next time you can get to the grocery store, especially if the grocery store is really far away because you don't have one in your area. If you want to eat healthy, though, you kind of have to make your own food. And that is something that I was lucky to have is my mom was a stay at home mom and she cooked for me and she cooked for me with, you know, all different types of cuisines and different spices and different vegetables. And she had me try all. So I'm very into cooking. I love food and nutrition and trying to make, you know, healthy meals taste good as well. And so that is very important to me. And I was lucky enough to have a mom that, you know, was home, but it's hard right now. I do not want moms or dads to feel bad because they're working. They just need some assistance in making it easier to take care of their children. So that is some of the ideas that I eventually have for the future is, you know, helping these hardworking parents that work day jobs you know, have access to something that can help them still allow their children to eat healthy. Maybe, you know, if I could grow a child health and wellness center, it'd be great to have a section that was like a co-op of fresh produce from farms in the area. Maybe they could build meal kits that are really easy to figure out and can, you know, be taken home to be paired with their family. Something that makes, it's kind of foolproof for families, you know? I hope I could fix that need one day because I see that families are struggling to figure out how to make make it work when it comes to food in their home. How can they be nutritious and tasty for their kids, but also affordable and accessible and something that will be that will benefit the overall health and wellness of their child. 
I went over a lot of information today. That's just the beginning. I hope next time I can talk more about what it's like to be at the dentist's office and give you a little understanding of what a dental visit should be like for a child. I hope this was informational to you. And if you have any questions, please email me at bloomingsmilespodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much. I hope you have a good day.